Hello, and welcome back to Who Are You, a CSI podcast. I am Lauren, and I've seen CSI through and through around three to four times. And I'm Nick, and I'm experiencing these episodes for the first time. And today we are reviewing 35K OBO, which is season one, episode 18. Director is Roy H. Wagner. Writers are Anthony E. Zyker and Eli Talbert. Original air date is March 29, 20, I was going to say 2021. Nope, 2001. There we go. Uh, my brain was just auto-filling in that number. And we opened this episode with the Vegas Strip. So I'm going to ask, Nick, what was your what was your Vegas score? We're sitting this? at a Vegas score of three. It's pretty okay. sort of media. I think it was the 12, it's 12 seconds, three I was scenes. Say, I felt like it wasn't that long. Like it was all Vegas Strip, but I felt like it wasn't the longest intro. Yeah, no, it, we've definitely had longer. I think a few more seconds, another scene maybe would have pushed it up a little bit. Yeah, I think that we're kind of like squarely in the middle. That's is, and I, I'm not a hundred concerned, but it's basically where we've been for the last couple episodes. Mm. I think like yeah, like 13 seconds, 12 seconds. I think they've sort of settled into a pattern of this is how long we're gonna. Right. This is how, this is how many seconds you get in Vegas, and they probably fluctuate it by a couple seconds depending on how the editing of the episode is going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we're just in a round up to the first to get to the first commercial break or not. Yep. I do have a sort of semi-related opening credits comment though oh all right which is one of the characters his name is like renaldo cristiano and i was like i saw it and i had to google it because christian ronaldo is probably the most famous human on earth (laughs) in the sports world he is the the, he's the biggest soccer player in the world or football player for anyone outside the united states sorry 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 for our international listeners we are based in the u.s so we we call football soccer here but i was like and, and then what i learned is he's actually changed his name and i had to ask is that because it was too, it was the exact? It's like a, a flip. It's and I'm probably not saying, I don't think the actor's name is a hundred. It's not spelled the same, exactly the same, or yeah, yeah. whatever. There might be an extra little syllable in there that I'm fl- glossing over. But I was like, wait, Christian Ronaldo is not in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> he is not. So he is not it's, our. It's he is not normally, our spot. The guest star. Of no, no, no. Oh my god, that would have been a mega spot. The guest star, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, I normally I don't look at IMDb until after the episode, but I just like five seconds in, I went, I gotta figure who is this person, <laughs> and then they they are a major character in the episode. I mean, spoiler alert, they are the murderer in the episode. Oh, okay. Um, but right. they don't they're not in the episode that much to be no, honest. No, they're not. No, like three they scenes. I would say it. three or four scenes, and very short, including the weirdest, creepiest ending. Yeah, we'll get had. we'll get to it. It is weird and strange and yeah. So we after seeing scenes of the Vegas Strip, we go to a couple leaving a restaurant. We learn that it is their anniversary. They're celebrating eight years. They get to what we assume is their car, and then we see the wife's throat being slashed. Great we, foreshadowing, you know. People, I think he says like no one ever expected us to make it to last or to last. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great, great foreshadowing. We quickly pop over to Warwick on the scene with Sarah. They realize that the car is missing because she's on the sidewalk and the husband is like in the middle of the street and they're like, this is kind of weird. And then they were like, oh, duh, like there was a car between them. And we then see that Nick is there as well. He finds reddish hair on the husband and then Jim Brass and Grissom 
also there. They just like keep incrementally introducing characters in the yep. scene. <laughs> so we go to Jim Brass with Grissom and Jim Brass is talking about how he thinks it's carjackers. Grissom is saying carjackers don't use knives. Jim Brass is like never and, and Grissom's like never say never but is you know this whole Pearl Harbor not. reference. Yeah, yeah, they yeah, like, like before like Pearl Harbor. They would never, they never attack on a Sunday, Sunday or something. Yeah. Then it starts pouring rain and so there's just mass pandemonium as they're trying to like cover the bodies and you know, save evidence and all that sort of stuff. So So I have to say, I know it doesn't rain in Las Vegas very often. It does not. But first off, there's still a weather channel. Like True. If you're if you're a crime but scene probably investigator not, probably not weather apps on your phone at this stage. No, 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 no. But like it would be news if somebody knew it was going to rain. Like, oh, we might be getting rain tomorrow. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, but like, I mean, that's, but there, I mean, random rainstorms can come in. I've had that happen where, yeah. like, my app has been like, oh, it's going to be clear skies, and all of a sudden it's pouring. And I'm so like, they oh, had no cool. tools at their disposal for protecting no, a crime to, to scene in the event of rain. rain. And that was no. the part that was kind of weird. I was like, I get it doesn't rain often, but it doesn't rain never. Yeah. And, and seeing how destructive it is, I mean, this time there weren't even firemen involved in how much damage water does to a crime scene, but we heard that several times in prior episodes mm. about uh, water destroying their fire scene, their yes, crime scene. Yeah, because firefighters so. are just going in there and just destroying yeah, the crime scene, how could trying they? to put out fires. How dare they? But yeah, that was that was like one of the notes I had. I was like, I was like, I think I, I'm willing to bet. Listener, if you are if you are hearing this and you work for the Las Vegas crime scene, <laughs> please let me know if they've improved their rain awareness skills. Please uh, let skills. us know because we'll totally interview you. That would be amazing. Yeah, that would be a pretty good get. <laughs> that would be awesome. So, like, yeah, you you working on Las Vegas crime scene? You let us know, and we will happily interview you. And we'll maybe keep you maybe you're inspired. Maybe you're inspired because you grew up watching uh, CSI. Who knows? Yeah, that's possible. You're like one day when I grow up, like everyone's like, I want to be a dentist. I want to be an astronaut. I want to work for the Las Vegas crime crime lab. <laughs> crime lab. I want to be what do they call themselves? Crime scene investigators. No, like criminologists, right? Oh, criminologists. Yeah. Yes. Whenever they introduce themselves, I'm a crim- yeah. I'm not a police officer. I'm a criminologist. Criminologist. Yeah. So we then go to credits. After credits, we go back to the crime scene. The rain has succeeded. We're kind of learning that, like, any possible DNA on this crime scene has been ruined from the rain. Sarah and Grissom end up talking to the one witness. We learn his name is Justin Green. He has blood on his jacket. He tells them that he performed CPR, but he's worried that he, quote-unquote, killed the victim by performing CPR incorrectly. Which, I will say as someone, it's been... I'm. I have not been trained in CPR in a long time, but I have, I, I've worked in businesses that had warehouses. And so they regularly did like CPR training as part of like OSHA regulations and all that yeah. fun stuff. So there was like periods of my life that I was like regularly trained in CPR. And I will say that this was always a legit fear of mine that all I was right. like, I'm trained in CPR. So like if the situation arises, I really should perform CPR on someone. But what if I do CPR wrong on somebody. Well, if you do it right, you're probably going to break their ribs. You're going to break their ribs. And it's probably still not going to kill them, so... I know, I know. But it's it's a... I used to... Actually, I, I should probably... Well, I should probably get recertified in CPR or retrain in CPR. And then I used to carry around when I was certified. They have these, like... And this was pre-COVID, but it makes a ton of sense. They oh, have the these, like, the plastic... Masks. Yeah, the, like, plastic 
things that you put over their mouth so that when you're like doing mouth to mouth, you're not like exchanging saliva with the person. That's, and I used to carry those in my wallet so that if I ever had to give like a stranger CPR, I could like pull that out and I could use that's that. That's one so. of those things like you think as like an individual, like what are the risks? What are the odds? Like if someone's hurt, I'm willing to take the risk and help them. But if you ever talk to like an ENMT or like some other person who probably has had to give CPR a number of times in their yeah, life. Yeah. Like they, I bet you they all have one on them. Oh, I'm sure they do. You know, it, it, it's yeah, like, because they've all. You don't know if someone, has, they don't, don't know if someone all, has HIV, if somebody has, you know, I mean, there's anything. plenty of. And again, this was pre-COVID that I had this, yeah. but now, like, I think people are more cognizant of, like, COVID and the flu and things that, like, you know, aren't as, you know, aren't, yeah. aren't blood transmission, but are, you know, via. But yeah, it's a real, it's a real serious kind of risk and they the thing is in their fields they all have met somebody who has probably caught something you know like they have a first-hand experience yeah, yeah. oh i'm sure they have so they always have it safely yep. but yeah there's yep. a lot of random things out there you could contract from a person but also like i don't know depending on where you are in the situation you're at there could also be like drugs or chemicals or you know, yeah you i mean there's there's a ton i don't know what someone's had you don't enough. know you don't know and so we, I, I had to make a note of this. I had to laugh at this a little bit because it's just as like a pattern for Sarah. She needs to take his clothes. Sarah's just like always taking clothes from people. Sarah's always the one that's like, sorry, we're taking your clothes. And they're always like, uh, are you sure? And she's like, yep. And so they take his clothes. So it's then... like, uh, she's not very tactful with either. No, she's Deep down inside, she likes it. You know what I mean? Like yeah, she, she's like, she's, she's, she's riding she likes, that power wave. She just wants to see you how they're going to respond. You get it. We then go to storyline B with Catherine arriving at her crime scene. She meets Detective O'Reilly at this collapsed building. They have a quick little back and forth. We then go to Nick walking up to Greg Sanders as Greg Sanders is like looking down a scope. And they have this, I, so I told listeners, I talked to Nick, we, you know, we chit chat before we start recording a little bit. And I said that this was like a really odd episode to take notes for because there was just like a, a a bunch of scenes where I was just like, do I take notes of this? I feel like I shouldn't. So I feel you, like my, you, my notes are a lot more disjointed this episode than they normally are. You didn't take notes about Zan, uh, Sanders very creepy talking about taking illegal DNA evidence of his would-be yeah, girlfriend did. and commenting but, on, but I, on but the I, size of her toes. But I only took like, I took like two lines when this was like three minutes worth of dialogue. Like I was like, I'm not taking down all the notes of this so i basically i jotted down that he quote unquote might be looking at the mother of his children and then that's when we learned that he like took her ep- 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 epithelial cells yep. and he's looking at her dna and say yeah so there's a very just creepy we don't need to go too much into it but there's a very creepy interaction where greg sanders is trying to justify illegally obtaining a dna sample and thinking that that's like somehow going to give him the information on this potential mate versus just talking to her and getting to know her. There's probably only like a 15 year period in television history where this scene could exist yes. because prior between, to like yes, between like 1998, the, the it would be too risque to put on TV. Mm. No, just like you wouldn't, you couldn't talk about some of the things they talk about there because it would be too risque. Right. And then at a certain point we realized that that's very inappropriate. And, and so yeah. nowadays you wouldn't yeah, write that like, into oh. a show because people would cancel your show. <laughs> yeah, because it's very, it's, it's uncomfortable. So we... I like that. That's one of my favorite things about these older episodes is like this weird period between like where everyone's trying to be edgy. Yes. This is right? definitely a push the envelope sort of show. 
seasons, especially in earlier seasons. But they haven't quite figured out how to not be creepy. That's very true. So it takes us way too long. Like there's way too much before scene before we finally realize that the hair that Nick collected at the scene is cat hair. Cause that's really what we need to learn from the scene is that the hair collected from the dead husband is cat hair. That's all we explain... needed from the scene. We didn't need all the creepy Greg yeah. stuff. They didn't even explain why. Like I get, you could probably tell somehow, but they didn't yeah, tell no, me. He just said like it's cat hair and they were like, okay, it's cat hair. Like that was just an acceptable thing. We go to Grissom with Doc Robbins. We learn that the husband was stabbed five times. The wife just had her, I, sh- I, sh- I shouldn't say just, but the wife had her neck slit once. Like she just had one one wound, which is where the just comes in, not trying to minimize the injuries that she sustained. <laughs> we also realize that the husband has defensive wounds and it appears that he is suffering from Injuries from two types of weapons, which leads Grissom to think that two attackers were involved. This comes back later. I like to imagine dual wielding, you know. This is true. You Again, know, like... Nick and I, for, for those of you who maybe are not listening to these episodes in order, Nick and I have been friends for a very long time. But one of the things that we do together as friends is play D&D. So... <laughs> Including this weekend. Including this weekend, which I'm very much looking forward. I bought a t-shirt specifically for my new character. So I'm going to wear that. And I'm probably bringing Gabby with me. So Uh, D&D Pup is going to be representing again. I was going to leave her at home. I was going to leave her at home. But then my mom was like, oh, can I come over? Can I I come and stay over on Saturday night? And I was like, yeah, I have D&D though. So like I won't be home until like 7, 7.30 at night. And she's like, oh, that's fine. And I'm like, all right. But the dogs play really rough with each other and it makes my mom nervous. Okay. And so I was like, oh, if I leave Gabby at home and it's just my mom and the pups, like my mom is going to get like really Especially with the new puppy. Yes. So I was like, I'll bring Gabby with me so my mom doesn't have to... Like she loves Gabby and she likes spending time with her, but she, the, the dogs like wrestling makes my mom very nervous. So, And I say this, listeners, my dogs are a seven pound chihuahua. <laughs> An 11-pound, or 10, 10, 11-pound dachshund, and a 17-pound Jack Russell mix. So these are not, like, giant dogs wrestling each other in my house, but they still make my mom very nervous. So, yeah. And I respect that. I'm not, I don't want to make her uncomfortable. So we then go back to storyline B. Catherine is approaching the district engineer. She wants to learn where the point of the collapse was. This was another one where I felt like I could have taken a lot of notes, but I didn't. It's just really annoying, condescending back and forth. Yeah, there's really. I think this is where I wrote down uh, everyone is so snippy in this episode. Yes, everyone is very snippy in this episode. <laughs> and it's like they're back and forth. They have this thing. Actually, Catherine's character is often written very sort of like, I want to say combative, but like she doesn't take crap from people. You know what I mean? So if somebody pushes on her, she pushes back harder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that guy is really not being appropriate. So she was really just elevating it consistently. Yeah, I don't think think that Catherine was unreasonable in this scene. I feel like she was just like, you're trying to talk down and be kind of condescending. And I'm going to call you out and I'm not going to let you just like, I'm not going to like let you walk all over me and call it a day. My favorite line from the scene is like, he says like, reference her, doesn't call her. Like say her name. She says her name. She's like, and he's like, sorry. He's like, she's like, no need to apologize. Just know who you're talking to. Oh, that's a little bit later. But oh, yes. is it? Yeah, yeah. Yes, but it, I, I know yeah. exactly what you're talking about. But uh, yeah, they continue this exchange for a while. I guess. Oh, this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the entire episode. Every time there's a scene with two of them, it's, it's yeah, it's basically. I thought they were gonna be making up by the end of the episode. That that feels like <laughs> how they would have written that. 
Not that it's appropriate. But, no, but you were like, they're building the tension for a reason, oh, aren't yeah. they? So we have a very quick scene where Sarah is walking with Grissom down the hallway. She kind of gives a backstory on the victims. They can't really like make heads or tails of like what happens. We then see Warwick making a, like a paste. He inserts it into the wound. We learn that he is casting the stab wound so he can try to identify the murder weapons. And Jim Brass comes in, lets him know that the SUV has been located. That shifts us over to Jim Brass and Grissom arriving at the SUV. Grissom opens the door, body falls out, just bloop. And we that have was, called uh, out. One of, this leads to one of my favorite moments where Jim Brass is like trying to give Grissom a hard time for disturbing the crime yes. scene. Yeah, and yeah, he yeah, goes, yeah, yeah. you just know it's going to bother you all day, right? Yeah. And he like, and he gives him a look and you like, and it pans over to Grissom and you were like, and he's like, yeah, it's gonna, I will say we've called out in the last few episodes about like halfway CSI where like they're, they're just like doing things like not quite up to snuff. So I had to point out that Grissom tells Jim Brass to put gloves on before he touches something in the car. Jim Brass goes to like touch the purse. Yep. And Grissom is like, put gloves on, man. Like, you can't just touch evidence. And I was like, yay, all the way, CSI. <laughs> uh, I do believe Grissom was not wearing gloves when he opened the door, though. That is Well, they, they noted that the rain would have compromised anything on the outside of the car. Yeah. I, so. I also, like, I, did, I didn't write this down, but because it felt too whiny. But I was like, the body falling out of the car scene was kind of like, you're telling me nobody looked in the window? I know, because they were even, like, yeah, because they were like, even they, the they side said, like, was oh, tinted, we didn't open like, it up, front? but like, yeah, no, I know. Yeah, I was like, I was yeah, like, I was like, like flash right. your lights in there and take a look. Well, it was broad daylight. Oh, that's true. It, it was true. broad daylight in that scene, yeah. and so it's yeah. like, it's like, okay, well, they just wanted to have a body. They, like, they wrote it in the scene, a body falls out of the car. They shot it the best they could. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well. But yeah. plus, I, I like the... I like the line in Grissom, so I kind of, like, gave it the pass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jim Brass IDs the victim. It is a one Jessica Hall. Nick then arrives. Grissom finds cat hair on Jessica. And we learn that no such hair was found on the wife. So the victim, mm -hmm. the, the woman that was stabbed, no, no said cat hair on her. I like how Nick is clearly just in this scene. Because Grissom, they haven't had a chance to tell Grissom about the cat hair. Yes, this is a this is a like, like we need to tell Grissom about. Do the they cat need hair. two CSI investigators at this scene? They didn't even no. know there was a body yet. I know, I know. <laughs> and we go to Catherine. She is she wants to like go into the basement where the the cause of the collapse is believed to be. The engineer tries to talk her out of it again. Just kind of, I made a note that like there was I I put it I labeled it as an EU conversation about her being divorced like he's like oh, oh yeah. I bet you're not married and then he's like ugh I bet you're divorced because like heaven forbid a woman stand up for herself like heaven forbid jokes on you she's not divorced yet her creepy husband that's true true story she's not <laughs> trying to take yet. a mortgage out in their name yeah. they're separated <laughs> but they're not divorced so she's not technically divorced and also trying to take away I I, I the the uh, I have a list of like in the back of my head of like unanswered questions mm. of CSI, and one of them is what is going on with the the daughter and the and the parental rights and the investigation. Mm. They they've not really gotten back to that. They haven't. It's been quite a um, while since they've touched on. You that. haven't seen Eddie Eddie right? That's his name. Eddie. Uh, yep. You haven't seen we haven't seen him in several episodes, and uh, and so yeah, it's just like 
you know, these things that I try not to, like, I, I don't bring them up here because obviously you've seen the show enough to know all of the answers. Mm-hmm. And so I don't want to sort of spoil it. I just assume they're going to get back to these things later on. So maybe if we get to the end of season one and some unanswered questions, I'll be like, Eddie, all right, I have a list. <laughs> Eddie comes back. We're, we have not yeah. seen the last of Eddie. I, yeah, I, can, I, did, I, can I, confident, I can confidently tell you we have not seen the last of Eddie. There's also a conversation between Catherine and O'Reilly where we learn that this crime scene is very political because it involves the mayor and their plan to like... <laughs> The mayor's a little corrupt, I think. I think so, because they're always bringing the mayor up in, like, uncomfortable... It doesn't matter because the sheriff's going to run for mayor. That's true. The sheriff does want to run for mayor, so we're going to have a new mayor anyway. We then go to... Spoiler alert. We go to Sarah with Doc Robbins. We learn that the victim, Jessica, set off the metal detector when she was brought into the morgue. We learn why. It's because she has a knife tip stuck in her rib cage. So they realize, like, oh, that's why she set off the metal detector. We then go back to Catherine crawling around in the basement. She finds an insect. She bottles it up for Grissom. That was kind uh, of a dead end. I, want, I, I had such high hopes yeah, that Yeah, dude, that, was, that did end up, spoiler alert, that ended up being a dead end. We, she experiences some rattling, which is we learn is because of F-16s flying overhead because there's an Air Force base not far from this crime scene. And then we also learn that the support beams are wood, and one looks like someone had taken a sledgehammer to it. So, like, that's awkward. More than and once. More than once, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't just one little dent. It was, like, a pretty a pretty serious amount of damage done to this support beam. Then this whole scene was another one that I was like, all right, I'm going to take a few notes because we have to talk about it. It's an important scene, but I just was like, hi, I don't know what I'm supposed to say about the scene. So we go to Sarah and Jim Brass at a knife shop. Oh, yes. Where we magically, within the course of like three li- three minutes, learned that the tip is from a dagger, that it's carbon steel, and then we also learned the exact match of dagger it is. All within you know, four, two and a half yeah, minutes, maybe? I like, I, this scene, I was like all over the place in terms of like, okay, I get it. You're in like a weapon shop. This guy really likes knives. He knows a lot about them. That's all good and fine. There's not only one five-inch dagger no, in the existence. even thousands. Certainly not in 2001. This was 1973, sure, probably. Maybe you could make that, you know. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. We have so many, especially like Army, Navy, surplus stores, cheap, like, things to apply to, to attract teenagers. There were, there were definitely, like, bat, like, all sorts of different knives that could be bought. All kinds of places. And then he has this bottle of lemon juice <laughs> to test the kind of steel. Yeah. And all I can think yeah. is, like, first off, I, I'm not a metallurgist, but my guess is the corrosion from lemon juice is going to take more than three seconds. Not uh, in CSI world. I could be wrong. But also, like, how, how often do you have to test nice for their carbon levels that you just have I know, he's uh, acting like this is such a regular thing that he's just like yeah i have this on hand because this happens all the time 26.99 though you can buy it yep yep so, and so yeah it was a really funny scene where they're just, just like weird scene and they just like wanted a way to identify to move this along the knife storyline basically without having to spend too much time on it yeah 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 so Warwick and Grissom are in the evidence room talking. Sarah walks in. She lets them know that the weapon has been ID'd against, again, totally ridiculous from the scene we just talked about. 
Yeah. And they also match the tip from the dagger to the quote-unquote blunt weapon, which ends up being the same thing, so it's a single weapon. It's very kind of like slow play here. It is. For the matchup, Grissom has this like eureka moment in his face, and it's like again another one where Grissom nobody... would just say what the answer is, but is like, I need you guys to come to this conclusion. Yeah, it's like simultaneously nobody else seemed to figure it out, but then no. knew exactly what he wanted them to do yes. to make it obvious <laughs> to themselves. Uh, but at this point, I have a prediction. Ooh, let's hear it. And it's all—I say it's long because it takes up many lines of my notebook, but I—I okay. I also wrote the P for prediction very large. So they're short. <laughs> but it basically goes like this. I wrote 23 minutes, knife matchup scene. Mm-hmm. Jessica Hall kills wife. Jessica Hall fights husband. Husband gets knife, stabs Jessica. Jessica starts bleeding out. Jessica pulls the knife out, stabs husband again, and then flees. Okay. Okay. And I said, Jessica likely said Jessica likely in love used to have an affair with husband. Husband, because of the cat hair. Mm. Husband broke it off for anniversary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was a very bold prediction. I mean, I a think lot it's of a detail. Fair, I think it's a fair prediction. I mean, I give it, it, it a C. Alert, I give it a, like, a C minus D plus in terms of accuracy. I mean, Jessica's involved, just not well, in the way that we. I, she didn't. She think. didn't stab the husband. Uh, no. He didn't stab her. No. Uh, no. <laughs> The only part that I had right was, she and she didn't kill the kill, wife. But she she was involved in the wife's death. She arranged sure, the yeah, wife's yeah. death. So I yeah, the whole like, like wanting the wife out of the picture, and have being an affair that was all accurate. Yeah, I think it's a decent prediction. But so. Cristiano Ronaldo, a famous football player, has not yet <laughs> has not uh, yet been. Uh, he did not make an appearance in my prediction. No, that's fair. And I had like a thing, like I had a thing where it's like, I was like. I was like, I wrote down and then crossed it out earlier. Like, right before this, I said, the witness has to be the murderer. We They just glossed over him. He spent way too long on the scene, on the, on the screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I was like, yeah, but sometimes they just do that. Like, the first scene, they have an interaction. I could remember the people who walked into the the store the for a robbery yeah. and like they had lines and stuff and I was like but then we never heard from them again no they also were, they were one and done in the fallen in the B plot there was a person who was sent to the hospital they say there yeah. were like three dead people and one person went to the hospital I, and we I never end, hear I think they all ended up dying I think like well, one of those people went to the hospital but I think they all ended up dying yeah yeah three older sisters dead and I wrote one taken in ambulance and then we never hear from them ever again. So I was like, I was like expecting to like, that's what I mean. Like sometimes you just like, they die off camera. Yeah. 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 You know? Yep. Yep. So we then go to Grissom IDing the beetle for Catherine. We learn that it eats softwood. We also are, get the confirmation that the damage on the beam was intentional. And we learn that Catherine got the case because Grissom thinks that she's good with people, dead or alive, and he knew that there was, like, a political angle to this case. And and Catherine Fairley is like, would have been cool to know that, like, right up front, instead of, like, sending me in line. Worst Again, Grissom ever. just, like, loves not giving He's... people the the right amount of information. He just wants them to figure it out for themselves. It's one of the worst bosses of all time. Oh my gosh, he's awful. I would not want to work for that guy. So we then see Warwick and Sarah. They are processing the SUV. They find fingerprints. 
we then they are then able to confirm that the prints are Jessica Halls, so she was the last person to drive the SUV. Nick arrives, he has a new theory, which is like sort of similar to your theory, I think. I I put that Nick has a new yeah, theory and then I, of course I didn't put the details of what that theory I, was. And it was to, his theory I, like migrated a few times, so I'm like, I think this is when he kind of thought that like she was in on it. I was definitely running, I think, a little high. I thought, oh man, I got it. This is going to be, be true. I, f- I forget the exact details, but it was like, it was like the, got the point, the idea, the fair. I thought that was pretty obvious. There was something that, that pretty strongly, but yeah, that Jessica kills the wife and then turns on the husband or yeah. something. Yeah. So they, the next they they kind of, they, they go more into the detail on this in the next scene. So we go to Nick, Warwick, Sarah, and Grissom. They're in the evidence room. They learn that Jessica's blood is on the husband, Kevin Shepard's shoe. We see a reenactment where she is holding down his legs while somebody is stabbing yeah. him. So that's like the current theory. And then they want to get a warrant for Jessica's apartment so they can, you know, search there and hopefully find more I th- information. I think that reenactment... I was like, oh, this can't be right because one, it's too early in the episode, but two, they show this whole thing where like she gets slashed. Or maybe this yeah, is Yeah, accidentally. No, it is. This is when this is when like, you see her get slashed I was like, how did she get a knife embedded in her ribs? Yeah, it's like not a like, yeah, cuz they kind of show it as if she got like slashed a little incidentally, bit versus yeah. like directly like I I stabbed you hard yeah. enough that a knife tip broke off in your Which rib. made me think like oh god it's this, this can't be the right stuff. So then I was like, like I, I was like oh I went down the wrong path and I was like and then I was like oh it's going to be that guy that I who I crossed out earlier <laughs> because he's the only Spoiler other character alert. left in the show True Christian story. Ronaldo. Christian Ronaldo. Bicycle kicked that knife right into her. Yep. So we then have the district engineer showing up at uh, HQ. They're looking, him and Catherine are looking at the damaged beam together. This is, he kind of pulls a Grissom where he's just like, oh, isn't it super convenient for you to now learn that this former tenant took a sledgehammer to that beam multiple times and like, here's the arrest report to prove that it happened. You you didn't think to mention that earlier in this investigation, sir? Like, Oh, okay, great, great, thanks. Thanks for pulling a Grissom. It's kind of a, a shortcoming of Catherine, too, that she didn't, like, you think, that'd be the kind of yeah, she didn't, like she should have uncovered. Yeah, well, we learned that he didn't put it in his report, because she says, like, well, why didn't you put that in your report then? Yeah. And he's just fair. like, oh, like, the damage wasn't bad enough for me to put it in my report. And she was like, like, he would remember. Hell? Yeah, but that's, that was his claim. We then pop on over to Jim Brass, Nick, and Grissom arriving at Jessica's apartment. We learn that the victim called her as he was leaving the restaurant. We also learn that she's a prolific note taker and puts all of her notes directly around her computer monitor. That's basically me some days. I, that's not me at all. I take a lot uh, of post-it notes. I, sh- I should be, given that I have raging ADHD. Uh, having more notes in my life would probably be very helpful for me. But It's not as effective as, as you'd think. You just forget to read the notes. Yeah, I've, or I just misplaced them. I do take notes sometimes, and then I like, I'm like, oh yeah, I know I took a note on this, and then I try to find it in the like, fifteen notebooks that I have around my house, and I'm like, which notebook? What page? What color pen did I use? I have a note to do something at work on Monday. Ninety-five no percent chance I never do it. Well, I have that, and then sometimes I'm, uh, I'm definitely the type of person that writes myself a note in a code that I'm convinced that I'll understand later on, yes. and then I read that 
uh, coded note later on, and I'm like, what was I trying to tell me? What what was my brain thinking it was telling me? You just now I have no idea. What you just described half my notes for this podcast. <laughs> I write like very basic notes for this podcast to try to avoid being like, what am I talking about? I so, have a prediction for the okay. for the B plot line. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. can't tell you when I made it. I have no okay, idea. That's, so that's why you'll never hear okay. from me. It's not um, wildly inaccurate, okay. but it, it is a little specific on something that has that is not at all brought up. Yeah, yeah. I might as well tell people now, which is that I I had this whole idea that the between the damaged beam and the crappy drywall, mm. that there was ineffective shear value, which is like, because I have like this side obsession with building construction. Yes, you do. I was like, I do not th- I thinking pay, about I the things they to, talk I pay, about. I pay people to build things and fix things in my house. Yeah, I, I was like, I don't do it. Myself. Well, I don't really know how any of this works. I just hear people talk about it. So I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah, so yeah. like shear value is important. I know drywall can provide shear value. So I was like, oh, maybe it has something to do with that. And then I was like, but I did get the flyover shaking the building was going to be important. Right. Because so I was just thinking of rattling back and forth. Yeah. And I thought the drywall was going to help again. And it really doesn't. They, they, no, they don't does give not. that as a reason. No. Yep. So during the search of their apartment, Nick finds the cat. So cat located. We never learn if they like run tests to make sure that the cat hair matches, but we are to hair. assume that it is, the, this is the cat. One of the odds. One of the odds there are two cats and only one knife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Jim Brass wants to run phone records between Kevin Shepard and Jessica, and they, because she's put all of her information on notes. They get her username and password to her HX account. Her very, very strong username and password. Yeah. Was it like Jessica and then password money? I know the password was money. I can't remember. Like, I was like, username Jessica. Jessica, I was like, first off, congratulations on getting the username Jessica. Jessica, right? (laughs) The only person. Even in 2001, like, you're the only one at that bank. You were the first one that was like, give me Jessica. Uh, (laughs) So... As they're going through their account, you know, she she makes like 500 bucks a week. That's like her weekly salary deposit. And then they realize that she had one day where, insert title of episode, she got 35K deposited, but it was deposited and then like also transferred out the same day. But at this no. point, they don't know where it got transferred to because that is not posted yet. So they, no. they learn that it came from Kevin Shepard. We don't currently know where it then went to. Now I freeze framed this. Okay. There was no thirty-five thousand dollars transaction on that screen. Oh. oh, at all? No. I think in a later scene they show like bank stuff again, and it's there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but I was, but I was like, in this, I was like, I was like, what are they talking? Because I looked. I don't know. The numbers are all relatively the same size, so like, I'm used to staring at columns of numbers for my job. That like, I was like, wait, I didn't see thirty-five thousand dollars on that screen. The highest number was like five hundred bucks. And so uh, I like rewinded it and like freeze framed it. And surely they did not. But I was like, I was like, oh, this thing. And then later on, I was like, they did show it. And I went out. So this is just bad editing. Yeah. Uh, Which we've seen before. So this doesn't. They they bothered to create the right screen. Just the editor just took the wrong clip. Didn't insert it into the earlier scene where they should have. So we then go to Nick with a lab tech. They're trying to determine the latent writing on one of Jessica's like notepads 
they, after, you know, running some fun little tests, realize that it says Andre's at 9 p.m., which leads them, to, and then, like, some uh, some other instructions, which lead them to believe that Kevin wasn't supposed to die, but he was planning to kill his wife. Like, he yeah. definitely was setting up his for his wife to die, but it didn't seem like he was supposed to die in this original transaction. Then we go to Sarah and Warwick checking on Justin Green's clothes. They find, they identify what looks like a handprint, and in the very next scene, we learn that the handprint belongs to Kevin Shepard. So he was saying that he was giving CPR, but why would you be giving CPR to someone that has the ability to, like, grab your shirt? So obviously, Kevin Shepard didn't need CPR because he was grabbing at Justin Green's shirt. Wait, wait, wait. Alternative theory. Mm. He was giving him CPR, but he was doing it wrong. Woke up so Kevin like, Shepard. <laughs> Shepard was like, stop it, you're killing me. And then he crushes him and kills him. Mm. And and Kevin Green was correct all along. He did kill him. Justin Green. Yeah. Justin Green. Yeah, yes. Kevin Shepard. Kevin Shepard, Justin Green. Justin Green. Yeah. Yep. Yep. yeah, I mean, to be fair, the murderer in this episode does admit to murdering him in the first he does. <laughs> first interaction. He does. He says it. He says it was via different methods, but he does basically admit to murdering him in the first scene. So, CPR is short for uh, constantly poking with ribs. <laughs> ribs. Yes, constantly piercing ribs. Oh, there we go. There we go. Constantly piercing ribs. Love it. Yeah. All right. So we then go to Catherine exiting her crime scene. She's looking at like this little memorial that has been set up outside of the house. And then more planes fly overhead and we kind of like see the memorial items rattling. We then, this then transitions us to Catherine running an experiment. And this is where she walks the director of engineering through the, the fact that it is sound vibration that caused the collapse. And I had to make a note here, and I'm curious if you know. I'm sure you did, because you're you are you you notice a lot more details than I notice. So I was like, oh, I was like when I saw this, I was like, Nick is totally gonna notice this. But they do they show a recreation of the collapse, and it's obviously a dollhouse. Oh yes. Yeah. Like well, it is, they, where it's it is, like fading it is, in and out of it is, genres and then the, the top part just swings down. It is blatantly obvious, not a recreation of like a real building. That it's like they built a dollhouse and then they collapsed the dollhouse. Like blatantly yeah. dollhouse collapse. It's a lot of budget uh constraints in that one. <laughs> I mean it was fine, but I just I had to laugh because I was like I was actually again, blown you, away by the collapsed building in the opening scene being like yeah, that's a lot good. of that's a lot of set. That's a lot of set. Yeah, and her like climbing through like that was like a lot. That's a lot to set up. So I'm not I'm not judging them for using a dollhouse for this. It makes complete sense. Yeah. I get that like they the budget to like set up a real room and collapse a real room or even a mock room would be crazy compared to just building a model and collapsing the model. Um, that's a long time Hollywood you know, special effects tool. So I don't blame them, but I just was like, wow, that's obviously a dollhouse. <laughs> I wonder if somewhere in the long credits, it's like Steve Smith, dollhouse builder. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I wouldn't, now I'd get bored of that. Again, ADHD. I was like, oh, could that be my job? Like Professional dollhouse builder for yeah, movie sets. Yeah. yeah, just for movie sets. Like just say, hey, make us a doll set. I'm, I'm not, I'm not artistic enough to make that actually happen. We then go so that wraps up storyline B. 
you know, she gets the director of engineering off the hook. It would have been it, easier if you didn't make me a uh, suspect. I know. Ugh. Ugh. Every time that guy talks. Are like, you free ugh. on Thursday night? Yeah. <laughs> to go for dinner? What do you, what do you do? What are you doing now that your case is wrapped up? Huh? We then go back to the team, minus Catherine, looking over the phone and the banking records. This is probably where the banking records actually did have yeah. the transaction posted. We learned during this conversation that Jess- Jessica and Justin were married. They used to share a last name. And then we also learned that Amy, the wife, transferred $70,000 to Justin. And this is where we hear the theory that he called her to let her know about the plan to kill her and then got her to like double the ante to kill her husband before he killed her basically it was like hey yeah. your husband's planning to kill you he's willing to pay me 35k but if you pay me 70k i will kill him instead and she's just like done deal <laughs> i guess i'm really confused because didn't they say that Jessica also wired him seventy thousand dollars, and I was like, "Where did she get no, another thirty-five thousand? Oh, okay. She, Amy wired him seventy k. Jessica wired him thirty-five k. And then we learned that Jessica was just like the loose end, right? Like she, she was like the his connection to them, so he needed his to ex-wife. get rid of her. Yes, his ex-wife. And we then, and this is Nick and I talked about this very briefly. I'm not even sure if we were recording or not, so this might be news to you guys it might not be but then we go to a scene with jim brass and grissom with justin they're asking like why even have jessica there like what what was the point of having oh yeah this is the creepy ending scene yeah and he's just sitting there he doesn't say anything they don't they don't insinuate that he's going to jail no no we have no i mean arrest him or charge him we have no no idea what happens to this case we have no they they just call their evidence is not great no it's not i don't think that guy's going to jail no. Well, we'll see, but... Well, I mean, he'll be arrested. Well, we won't but... see, but, you know. Listeners, let us know. Do you think that Justin is going to do You gotta get that? the DVD director's commentary to find out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we have our final scene with Jim Brass and Grissom walking down the hallway, and this is where Grissom ends the episode by being like, don't you know? Looks can kill. Ba-da-ba. And then that is... I don't even remember that. Episode. Well, you didn't do a full second watch through, so... But I watched that scene. <laughs> oh, okay. Twice. <laughs> no, I, no, I finished the thing. I just skipped, like, five minutes worth of scenes throughout. We, especially, like, when the guy is, like, revealing the handwriting. Because I didn't have... I, on my second watch through, I did not have quite enough time today. Yeah. So I, I, I kind of rushed it. And, yeah, like, when they're, like, processing evidence... I also... I skipped the creepy Xander scene conversation sanders, sanders. yeah no, i'm gonna do it also his, <laughs> he he has a z in his last name he does his, his, so actual, much worse. his actual last name every time i read it eric zaminda yeah and yeah so yeah sanders uh he shakes the or the scene where he's talking about his creepy relationship i skipped That's fair. 20 seconds of that scene yeah there's no need that that scene was basically two. Pointless. A lot of the approach scenes where they're just like walking into a crime scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Things like yeah. that. There's definitely so. a lot of filler in this episode, but yeah, I'm I had four, I had forty minutes to watch a forty-five minute episode. I made it work. <laughs> yeah, that's that's fair. Uh, so I am curious, Nick. What did you think of this episode? It was so good that I watched it a second time. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, no, that's not true. Oh wait a minute. <laughs> 
fully watch it a second time. I really dislike the entire B storyline. Okay, fair. the building. I, I just... I honestly didn't like the character, the engineer, or any of the interactions that he had with Catherine. I don't think I had a problem with the storyline itself. I think that's yeah, kind yeah. of a cool, interesting interaction. thing. I just, yeah, I don't, I didn't like that. The main storyline was, okay. It was like kind of middle of the road for me. Yeah. This is probably the lower end of episodes. Like, I think that I procrastinated watching this the other night. Cause I was like, oh, I'll just watch it tomorrow. And then I ended up being crushed for time because I was kind of like not really that into watching it a second time. And so that always has to tell you something. Like I, I feel like it's not at the bottom of my list by any stretch of the imagination, but it just like, it definitely wouldn't even be under consideration for like the top of my list. Yeah. I, I, my, one of my like rating things is for those who listen often, we both of us tend to watch the episodes at least twice before we record. And if I like the episode, I have like no qualms about watching it again. Even if I've watched it like three days before, I'm like, yeah, I can totally like watch that again and take notes. And this episode, I was like, ugh, yeah, I have to watch this episode again and like take notes on it this time. I had zero too. It's, it was so hard to take notes because it was like, there was so much like random filler that I was like, I could take note. Like we could talk about this, but like, why should we? And then I was like, then I was worried. That's I have so point. many. There's, less... there's a lot of parts of this episode that are just not paramount to the plot. No. And that's, and that's what like, I usually have like another probably page, page and a half of notes. Usually three when we lines. do, when we do these episodes, and I didn't because there was just so many things that I was like, this doesn't matter. And I'm not going to worry about taking a note on I it have... because like it doesn't, it really doesn't matter. And I'm not going to waste my time and effort taking notes. On I have, I have two lines of notes for the B plot. The first one is fallen building, three older sisters, one taken ambulance. The last one is prediction, lost sheer value, thin drywall, damaged beam, fly over, shake the building. Yeah. I wrote, there was nothing else that happened in that storyline that was worth no. writing anything down about. No. And then it, it just kept syncopating. The other storyline was probably better than it felt like. Although the yeah, end I, of it is weird. Like the whole, like they're very sort of like MacGuffin-y, like, oh, no, the, he called the wife and she offered him double yeah, instead of the, calling the cops. Know this. Yeah. <laughs> you could call the cops. Right. Or like if you someone could called, murder your husband. Yeah, like if someone... <laughs> You know, I mean, I do have a partner and I mean, we've only been dating for a few months, so I, I don't think that we're at the stage yet that they're trying to hire a hitman to off me. Like there's no financial <laughs> a, gain on their You're really part. quick with a yet there. Yeah. I, well, you know, you know. <laughs> I think you got to give know. yourself a little more credit. Well, you know, I mean. No one's hired a hitman to kill you yet. <laughs> that is true. Well, that I know of. <laughs> but if I got a phone call of like, hey, your partner has hired me to kill you. The first thing I would do after like, maybe, and it seems like she got information on this guy because she wired him money. So like she got his name, she got got his like bank account information. His name was on that check they showed. Yeah. So like she got his, the first thing I would do would be call the police and be like, hey, this person, here's their phone number. Here's their banking information. Here's their name. Um, they said that they were hired to kill me. Like, so maybe we can look at 
She she was dressed in that scene like she was about to rob a corporate office in Mission Impossible. Mm. I don't know if you noticed that. She's in the middle of Las Vegas in a black turtleneck. Oh gosh, no, I guess I didn't notice that. <laughs> like That's black funny. pants. Oh gosh. And I was like I was like <laughs> this... yeah, It was Yeah, like I think the premise of it is fine and interesting, right? The you know the the dueling spouses willing to kill like, one like, another two like that's weapons and it broke and figuring that all out that was all good yeah as i said i think that storyline was actually better than like i feel like it yes. was but i i think that part of it was the ending and part of it was the b plot really just dragging yeah, it all dragged. upside down yeah no i agree um, but we, we didn't mention it but we also had a great uh winky scene between the uh morgue assistant and sarah Oh, did I miss? I missed. Yeah, but he's when he's in there operating the X-ray, and she walks in and and he looks up at her and smiles and she smiles back. Oh, she's David. she's she's never asked him to take his clothes off, but no, that is true. She asked like all of her suspects, all her witnesses and suspects, to take their clothes off, but never she's... asked David to take his clothes off. Poor David. Poor David. Well. We'll see how we feel about next week's episode, which will be season one, episode 19, Gentle, Gentle. In the meantime, you can follow us on Facebook at Who Are You, colon, a CSI podcast. We are also on Twitter slash X, Instagram, and threads at Who Are You, CSI pod. You can also email us at Who Are You, CSI pod at gmail.com. And otherwise, we will talk to you next week. No spoilers. No.